Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. And we're in this series called Welcome Home, and really community is about feeling like it's home and it's a place where you can connect. And sometimes the best way to be able to do that is by getting involved. It's just finding a place that you can make a connection with. And we have belong groups that meet, and we have ways that you can get involved during the week. We have ways that you can serve on a Sunday. And when you get on a team, that's when you really get to know people and it gives you a great opportunity to connect with those around you. One of the things that I'd like to speak to you about today is about how Jesus wanted to make sure that we always felt at home. And there's a great story in the scriptures that is repeated in the Gospels. And it's a story of how Jesus causes a public disturbance. And I remember one time when I was young myself and a little foolish, I was... Uh, just, I had just graduated from CJEP and was about to uh, start university. And I remember being out with a bunch of friends and, and we had been, uh, in the summertime, been drinking quite a bit that summer. I remember that my mom was quite worried about me and quite concerned. I was coming home at all hours of the night. I was always in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. And uh, she would always be praying for me and every time I'd get home, she always had a lot of questions for me none of which I wanted to answer. Uh, my dad uh, threatened to lock me out of the house many times and, and did on a few occasions. And one time I even um, scaled a building uh, to get in um, through a window that I had left open. It was quite dangerous, but I got in. Um, <clears throat> but I did all these things, and I was causing a disturbance in my home. Um, and I didn't feel welcome at home because of how I was behaving. I didn't realize that the reason my parents were behaving the way they were was because they wanted to give me a different kind of home. And they wanted my life and my heart to be a different kind of place. And I didn't want to listen to that, and I just wanted to live life the way that I wanted to live it. I remember one time, after we had already been drinking out most of the night, it was super early in the morning at this point, and we were at a, at a building across from the McGill Gates downtown, and we had for whatever reason, not because we had need for it, but we had actually bought another case of beer um, and we were drinking it. And as we were just laughing and talking, uh, we just started to break these bottles up against the building that we were at. And it wasn't long before the police showed up. And I mean like really quickly. And at that point, we all like scattered. All of us just like ran for it. I don't know what happened, but I think God wanted to particularly speak to me. Um, the one cop car that came decided that the, the one guy they were going to go after was me. And so it didn't matter where I ran, they were always very close behind me. And at one point, I was able to run, onto the, run through the McGill gates and, and get into uh, that property, and, and I climbed a tree like I... 
like, like my life depended on it, and it did. And, and, and the cop car followed. It was there, like driving on the grass, looking for me with its lights on. And at one point, the only thing I could do was pretend that I was a part of the tree. <laughs> and and you couldn't, they didn't see me. And, and, and they just drove past, and they had lost me because I became literally a branch in the tree. And, and I had that night caused a public disturbance. And, and, and later on, I would eventually think back at that moment and think about it at that time and, and realize what a disturbance I had been to my family, what a disturbance I had been to God, the way I had disturbed my own life. And sometimes when we go through things, we do things thinking that we're just living life, but we don't recognize how it may be affecting us and others. I want to tell you this story that is found in, in Mark, and it's in chapter uh, 11, and it begins at verse 11. And it says this, and it's a very important verse. It says that Jesus came to Jerusalem, and he went into the temple. And look at this. And after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon, and then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. And then Jesus makes a decision, and the decision is to go back. And in verse 12, it says the next morning. And then there's an event that happens with the fig tree, and then Jesus makes his way back to the temple. And then in verse 15, it says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple. And look at this. He began to drive out the people that were buying and selling animals and sacrifices, and he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves." Now, what's interesting about this passage is that it appears that Jesus just loses it. He causes a public disturbance, and he does it in his father's house. He does it in his father's home. He does it at the temple. And it looks like all of a sudden, like Jesus just can't control himself. He just can't keep his emotions in. It seems like Instead of using his words, like we're taught from when we're children, he acts out violently. The Bible says that he overturned tables. And people were obviously merchants, and they had their things set up to sell. And the things that they were selling at the temple were things that you would expect people to sell when you walk into a place that is receiving pilgrims from around the world. They'd have their trinkets and their souvenirs, but they would also have those items that were necessary to offer a sacrifice. So they'd be birds and doves of different kinds, and they'd have different animals, and they would have your sheep and your goats and your rams. And whatever it was that a person would need to offer a sacrifice or to 
purchase a memento or maybe even refresh themselves after a long journey into Jerusalem, they would find it there. So there'd be food vendors and beverage vendors. They'd have every kind of vendor imaginable. And it was all happening there. And it had been happening for a very long time, long before Jesus ever began his ministry. And so when Jesus arrives, he's observing, he's watching, he's doing what you would expect someone to do in a situation like that. He's taking it all in. And then he comes back the next day. The way we've always understood this story is that Jesus sees what's happening and he just acts out. He just acts impulsively. He just overturns the tables out of anger like it was something that he couldn't control. Just like when we lose it. And when I say it, I mean we lose it. Have you ever lost it? Have you ever lost it? Come on, be honest. I'll go first. I have lost it. Anybody else want to raise their hand? Has anyone else ever lost it? Okay. If you haven't risen your hand, it's probably because your hand is broken. <laughs> the truth is, is that at some point, we have all lost it. And when we've lost it, how do we feel? Do we feel better? Did you feel like you, you experienced some kind of release? Like that you actually looked at yourself and said, why I have never been a better person than right now. Have those words ever crossed your mind after you have lost it? Have you ever turned around to someone and say, I wish I could lose it every day. Because when I lose it, I am at my best. You saw it, right? You witnessed it. Me losing it, that's me at my best. Wouldn't you want more of that? Wouldn't you want more of me? Come on, let's be honest. That's not something that we ever say. When we lose it, it's because we have wanted something so badly that we couldn't get it, that we have felt powerless, and we exerted as much power as we possibly had in hopes that we could attain it. And the truth is, is that Jesus in that moment isn't powerless. The truth in that moment isn't that Jesus is just losing it. He's just angry. Because what Jesus does is that he goes the day before. And he checks out the situation. He sleeps on it. He comes back the next morning. Travels back into Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he deliberately overturns those tables. There is nothing that Jesus ever does that isn't controlled. That isn't without a meaning and purpose. I know that's not true about my life and most likely it isn't true about your own. But what we do know about what Jesus does in this moment is that he actually sleeps on it, thinks about it, reflects on it, and when he comes back he has a plan for it. Jesus wants to reestablish home for all of us. And the only way that he can do that sometimes is by causing a public disturbance. 
And what he does is that he destabilizes us. He allows for things to occur in our lives. And maybe sometimes he's the one who's directly overturning the tables in our hearts. Making sure that in this moment, we will never continue the same way. That we will never be the same people. That we won't keep doing business as usual. He overturns the tables in our hearts so that he can show us what it is that is wrong, what it is that needs to change, what it is that needs to be different, what it is that can be once again made pure. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to start things new in our lives. And he does that by causing a public disturbance. I don't know what God needs to overturn in your life. I think that's a very intimate and personal thing. And maybe the people that are closest to us would have an idea of where to start. If you're married, you've already heard it many times before. If you're in a relationship, they've already pointed it out once or twice before. If you have a best friend, someone who doesn't hold back and tells you exactly what's wrong with you, because they love you, you've already had your tables overturned. Am I right? Sometimes we are waiting for God to speak to us when he's been using the people in our life all along. We're waiting for God to give us a sign to show up in a dream, to speak to us through the scriptures, to somehow show up in a tortilla that maybe got burnt with the face of Jesus on it. But in reality, he's been speaking to us all along through the people that are already in our lives. And then on top of it, he gives us the impression of the Holy Spirit, the living person of God in us, that is able to overturn the tables and reveal and show us exactly what needs to change. Where it is that we need to zero in on and focus to bring about a transformation in our lives so that we don't continue like we did before, so things can be different. One of the hardest things to do is to listen to a person that we've heard them say the same thing over and over again. Am I right? We, we tend to tune out that person, right? We've heard this before, and they've said this before. They've said it in different ways. They've said it gently. They've said it kindly. They've used the right words. And then they've been more aggressive with us. They've used the wrong words. They've shouted them instead of whispered them. We've heard them say the same thing, but we don't pay attention because we've heard it from the same person. And because of that, we sometimes tune it out. Listen, we do the exact same thing with God. And that's what happened at the temple. They tuned out the rules that God had already given them. When Jesus overturned the tables, no one there thought that what Jesus did was wrong. Everybody knew that what he did was right. They just didn't like it. They just didn't want it. 
They didn't want to do things differently. Why did Jesus have to show up and do what he did? Things were fine until he came along. And when someone comes along and causes this public disturbance in our lives, well, the first thing we do is we point the finger at the person who's causing the disturbance. And that's what they did that day. They really had a problem with Jesus. Had a problem with what he did. Had a problem with how he did it. In another version that is found in the Gospels, it says that he actually had a whip in his hands. He was like chasing people. People who still like were kind of standing their ground. He was like, oh yeah? You're going to go. You're all going to go. So he wasn't just like, overturning tables he was like releasing animals it's like opening cages most likely and then using his whip to make sure that they all scattered so that the owners had to go after them and leave the temple so they would have to pick up their stuff and pack it up and leave but guess what happened the next day they were all back It, it, it didn't last. Have you ever had success for like a day? Have you ever been like super successful for one day? Ever, ever feel like you were awesome for like a day? <laughs> right? I've had a lot of those scattered like over the period of my <laughs> existence and decades of life. I've, I've been able to look at those days and say I was, that day I was awesome. I, sometimes I couldn't string three in a row. Most likely I never had like five in a row. Most likely I never had seven days in a row where I felt awesome. Where I was awesome, where I did awesome things. I, I think I had to just always kind of put up with the fact that I was just like, you know, pretty good. Today was like, yeah, not as good as yesterday maybe. Maybe better than two days ago, but definitely not my best. And, and I've had to evaluate myself along this spectrum of not being consistent, not being awesome the way that God wants me to be every day. So here's what is going to keep happening. Jesus is going to keep going about a public disturbance in our lives until we get it right. Until we do it right. Until his awesomeness can live in us and through us every day. And his desire is to accomplish that. You know, I've had people like come into my life and, and just like disturb and then walk away. They're called brothers. Anybody have any of those? I have one brother in particular, I have two, so he will remain nameless, but he knows who he is. He is a disturber. He's a disturber at the family meal, he's a disturber in conversations. He'll always say the, 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 the wrong thing in the absolute worst way, just 
to push someone's button. He is awesome at that. That is his superpower. <laughs> we cannot even say it is a hidden ability because we have all been hit by it over and over again. Does anybody have someone like that in their life? Okay, now the reason I'm bringing this up is because when you have someone who just walks into your life and disturbs, their only intention is to disturb to cause a disturbance. There's, there's no plan, there's no purpose, there's no rhyme or reason, it's just being done for their own personal pleasure. It's done because it's what they love to do. It's what they want to do. It's because maybe they're motivated even by something that isn't very good. Not evil per se, but just not too far from being evil, but just not very good. <laughs> Let's just call it darkness. Not the abyss kind of dark, but in a room that maybe there isn't a lot of windows. So it's not well lit. But just enough darkness that it causes the disturbance that turns people's lives upside down. And they cause just enough that when you have to sit down with them, you're always a little weary of the fact that they may just cause a disturbance. You know what I'm talking about? There's just people that you know that when you're with them, they can cause this disturbance. And you welcome them into your home, you welcome them into your life, you welcome them into your conversation, but you're always a little tense. <laughs> you're always a little aware of what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, what they're going to say, and the kind of disturbance they're going to cause. You know it's coming, and you're on pins and needles the whole time, and you're just waiting for it to happen, and you know it's going to happen, you just don't know when, and then when it finally does, you explode. <laughs> you explode. You're the one who loses it. And you lose it because you know it was coming. And you've been working yourself up to this moment, and then when it finally comes, the only person in the room who exaggerates is you. And they look like they didn't do anything. They just said a couple of words. And so I want you to know that Jesus isn't like that. Can we say amen? amen. That's not what he does. When Jesus comes, he comes to clean things up. He comes to make things right. He comes to clean and make things pure. He does it because he doesn't want us to be the way that we are because he knows that there's so much more that we can offer. Let me read to you this passage. It's found in Mark chapter 7 and in verse 14 to 23. And it says that Jesus called to the crowd and he said to them, come in here, all you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. And anyone with ears to hear should listen and they should understand. And then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable and what he had said. He says, don't you understand either? 
He says, can't you see that the food that you put into your body can't defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but it only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. And by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is at least acceptable. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. And from within, he said this, out of a person's heart, we are going to have evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And all these vile things come from within because they are what actually defile you. And what Jesus was saying is that these are the things that I have come to overturn. These are the things that are on your table, and these are the things that you feast from. And these are the things that are your go-to items after your journey, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're thirsty, when you're frustrated, when you're depressed, when you're discouraged, when you feel weak, when you feel like you don't measure up, when you, when you feel like you are never enough, when you feel like you are so filled with yourself that you're gorging on your own pride. It is then that we come to that table and we think that what's on that table is the sacrifice that, that somehow God needs. And that's why the scriptures tell us that he's not looking for sacrifices, he's looking for obedience. He's not looking for what it is that you think you have to give up so that he can be pleased with you. He can be pleased with you just by you following his son, your friend and savior, Jesus Christ. What's on that table? You don't need it. Let Jesus overturn it. Let him cause the public disturbance that he needs to cause right now in our lives. Let him flip every table in our hearts. Let him do it right now. Let him chase out with the whip whatever it is that is causing us to be anything other than what he wants us to be. Let him do what needs to be done. Let him do it right now. Amen. Amen. And so, Father, we come before you and we ask that you overturn the tables in our hearts, that you would cause that public disturbance, and that we would, Lord, allow you to make that which is unclean clean, that which is impure, pure. We thank you that in this moment you can receive us the way we are, but you can leave us changed and transformed as we allow you to decide what it is that needs to stay and what it is that must go. I pray right now, God, that you would help us all to bring it to memory. What is it that you want us to work on first? What is it that you want us 
to work on next? What is it that you want to see changed in our lives? And then we want to invite you, Lord, to do exactly that. And Lord, in this place, if we need to receive you as Lord and Savior, we do that right now. And in this place, God, if we need to ask you to forgive us as we confess our sins to you, we ask that you would forgive us and that you would deliver us right now. And Lord, you see the tables and what's on them. We ask that you would overturn them and you would take all that is unclean and make it clean. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.